welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. From limited supply to the need for more consumer education, the fish oil industry is facing challenges. However, there are still a lot of opportunities in and outside of the sea. Today, we're going to examine the state of the fish oil market and take a closer look at opportunities as well as white spaces as the industry attempts to strike a balance between supply and demand. Joining me now is Simon Risa, Director of Business Development at GC Reber Viva Mega. Hi, Simon, and welcome to the NutriCast. Hi, Danielle, and thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me all the way from Norway. So let's kick it off with the current state of the fish oil market. What's going on there? Well, I think as no surprise, the past years has been a, a big, I should say, roller coaster and difficult uh, market for many. Obviously, it's uh, it's been been uh, been years now with limited supply. Of course, it's region dependent, but Peru, as the main provider of, of oils for human consumption at least, has had troubles supplying sufficient uh, amount of oils to the market. Oil yields are, are not currently uh, where they should be. Uh, so, of course, it's it's been difficult. We've managed well as a company. And in the end of the day, you know, in this situation, it comes down to it's it's not about the price anymore. It's about the availability, right? Uh, being able to 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 find a good quality uh, oil that allows us to make our high quality fish oil concentrates. So I guess that's the, the current state. And right now we're kind of in, in off-season mode, more or less. Peru is not currently fishing, nor is kind of the other key regions. So coming into the second quarter of this year, so I guess we'll start see fishing to kind of get going again. And uh, we are very eager and curious to see how the results of the exploratory fishing that is kind of ongoing in Peru or will start up in Peru, that will lead to the final quota and initiation of the, the fishing again for the, the first season of this year. So all eyes on Peru, but, and you mentioned prices, and I know you said it's more about just having actual fish oil right now, but what do prices look like? How is this affecting everything? I mean, since 2021, I mean, the price has gone from yeah, mid-2000, 3000 to 12000 almost. It's kind of a close to five five x price increase on, on on thin volumes of course in in you know the high prices we see now the extraordinary prices are kind of on thin volumes there's there's hardly any volumes coming out of especially peru uh, morocco has been a bit different but they follow each other in pricing uh, more or less so that's kind of the the pricing of course uh, it's it's difficult you know when you when you have a supply shortage it's just not enough oil to kind of meet the total demand and that drives price pricing. In this case, it goes sky high. I think last, you know, $11,500, $12,000 per metric ton has been kind of the, the quoted prices. That's IFO, IFO numbers. Uh, but again, on, on thin volumes. So, of course, when there's no when there's no supply, the price goes through the roof. So, I think we'll see. It'll be exciting to see, exciting, not maybe not the right word, but we'll see, you know, what happens coming into the, the next seasons now in the main regions and how hopefully a change in supply and oil output will, will uh, affect prices. And I think it, the important aspect is to kind of find balance here because we all know at these levels, it's not sustainable in long term. When you see these price increases, it's even more important for us to understand as, as an industry across the value chain secure that we are actually able to cater to the 
end consumers' demands and that they're able to have these health products that we're selling, producing. So I really hope that we are able to come down to a level where kind of it, it can have a long-term play and not only kind of these high peaks, which which we know is not bearable in the, in the long, long run. Yeah. So striking that balance is the name of the game after a tumultuous year. One way companies are minimizing risk and increasing agility is by diversifying the supply chain. How is GC Reber Vivomega achieving diversity in its supply chain? Ever since COVID, I guess, we've had, you know, the most important aspects have been to kind of secure right and, and, and the high quality raw materials and protect our customers, you know, be able to secure volumes that we can kind of then again deliver to to our customers too strong and diversified sourcing. And there's only that many sources, right? of certified fish oil, which is an important aspect, of course, all certified oils with the right quality. But again, uh, being close to suppliers, uh, close to the market, raw material market, uh, we do our own sourcing. So we are we are very close on the crude fish oil market and crude algae oil also. I can talk more about the algae uh, as we go, but that's also part of the picture. But for fish, um, understanding the raw material, the quality, you know, building understanding for how we as a concentrate producer, how we can work with materials and also to allow the producer to understand what we need to make the products that we do, what's important for quality, how the oil behaves, how we can utilize different oils and have that dialogue with suppliers and long-term relation with suppliers. Suppliers has been kind of one of our, I'd say, success stories amongst many, because in the end of the day, uh, we are relying on, one thing is, you know, have been able to source crude fish oil raw materials, but maybe more importantly, you need the right quality oil. So that's, at least for us, has been kind of very important to, yeah, it's diversification, but it's also trying to understand how you can position yourself in this situation. Uh, and we've we managed to do well, uh, despite the fact that there's low supply. So we've kind of been able to source oil with, with the right quality. But of course, it's it's a difficult game as in any other industry when you see this, these things happen. So that's one of our, or many of our, our, our actions to, to cope with this and to follow up, you know, throughout the organization, especially I talked about quality, but to have people in-house that really understands the raw material, the extensive understanding of omega-3 oils, how they're utilized, and not at least to have you know increased efficiencies in production, allowing us to extract and utilize this raw material. That is not only a, the ethical right thing to do, it's the moral right thing to do, it's the sustainable thing to do. It's also the right thing to do in this scenario when there's limited supply. Then, of course, you have multiple sourcing options, uh, different relations across, you know, key markets, flexibility in raw material, and the storage of oils, the capacity to kind of have stock at some level to cover the needs of our customers. The other aspect, and I don't like to think of it as a, not a different aspect, and, but you also have the algaes, which has been a lot of, you know, on many lips uh, the past years, and I know it was a big topic also in, in the Goet Exchange in Athens recently, the ability to, you know, offer customers omega-3 products. Algae is a very good alternative. We don't differentiate, you know, fish versus algae. We see them both as omega-3 raw materials. Mm-hmm. That, you know, 
in the end of the day, what the customers are consuming is omega-3, EPA and DHA. And algae is, is lower in the food chain. So, you know, the EPA and DHA that fish contains comes from microalgae. That's the science of it. So it's no difference in EPA and DHA. It's the same omega-3 you know, molecules. So from that aspect, you the, the way of diversifying is to be able to process these oils, make high-quality uh, concentrates, omega-3 products. That, again, is an option for our customers to kind of utilize in, in a situation where there's lack of, of fish oil. Now, this doesn't only make sense in, in, in a situation where there's lack of fish oil, because, as I said, the EPA and DHA it delivers the same nutritional benefits as, as fish oil. It's EPA and DHA, regardless of its fish or algae. But it is a very good option for consumers, and not only the niche, not only that it's, it has to be vegan application or not application, but a vegan kind of target group. It's for all consumers, the mass market. So these are things that allows us to kind of diversify, work with the market, not against it. But of course, we are relying on and consumers being in a position uh, where, you know, a new raw material is, is accepted as, as an omega-3 product. Yeah, so you launched the Vivo Omega algae oil about a year ago. What's been the response so far? It's been good. I mean, we we have, as I touched upon, we, we believe in, in algae as raw material. We don't think it will, kind of re- will replace fish oil. You know, fish oil is certified fisheries, you know, strict regulations on how they manage their, their stocks and the, the bio, how they manage the fisheries. But algae is it's different in that sense. It's, you know, it's not seasonal. It's uh, not fluctuating in supply. It's controlled also from a supply, but also from a quality aspect and an EPA and DHA aspect. Um, so we see it as a good alternative and a supplement to fish in this, in this uh, industry. Of course, we've started out in the concentrate, right? But normally you'll see it will follow kind of the same path as Fischl as, as has been doing with you start with the refine, the lower end, the 30% EP and DHA, and then climb all the way up to the, the high concentrates where we play today in, in, in fish oils and also in algae oils. So, of course, response is good, but it, it's a bit slower than maybe what we anticipate in terms of market response. Personally, I think that's mainly due to education. I think it's uh, it's a slow these consumer education aspects, they move slow. It's a, it's a big task, you know, to, to educate consumers. And especially when consumers are historically, I'd say, trained and with all due respect to consumers, they are, you know, most omega-3 products are labeled as fish oil because they are fish oil, right? That's mm-hmm. what you use fish oil as uh, on the labels. And that, of course, you need them to change the perception about, you know, this is a new raw material. Okay. It's different, but good different or bad different. Uh, what does it matter? So I think that that needs to improve, and, and we as an industry have a job to do in terms of you know. But that does not only you know cover. It's not only for algae for fish as well. You know, how do you ensure that the consumers are well enough educated in the myriad of omega three products, right? Because you have triglycerides, acetyl esters, you have uh, monoglyceride, it's phospholipids, it's uh, diglycerides, it's uh, it's refined concentrates, uh, fish oil, algae oil, uh, milligram per gram dosage. It's a world of things and 
you can expect consumers to kind of capture all this that we in the industry would like to tell because we need to understand how to tell this story. I think we have a job to do as the industry to open up the flexibility in terms of raw materials on omega-3 products. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that consumer education piece. There was a discussion on stage at GoEd Exchange recently regarding the challenges of U.S. consumer education and how they don't understand omegas. I imagine that really resonates with you. Yeah, it's it's a well-known, I think, uh, topic in general. I'd say it's hard to, it's a problem, but it's an issue more or less because the ability to think as and consumers, what resonates, we all know how consumer behavior with uh, the attention spans decreasing, you know, how can you ensure that consumers are able to understand what you're trying to say? On, and you have only the label, right? It's a label on, on, on the end product as a B2B company. We deliver the ingredient, right? Not the finished product. So I think that we are all aware of this, this situation. And it's very easy to become, you know, as as the desire for more higher-end products, more, in this case, concentrated products uh, that become more advanced in, in many ways, then it's very easy to kind of tell everything about how advanced it is. But then you have a big risk of missing the consumer in that journey, which is difficult uh, and something we need to kind of improve and, and work on to educate consumers on on omega-3s. Because, like I said, today, it's I'd say most consumers, they would stop at fish oil, right? Fish oil, and then you have the size of the box, and then you have uh, the source is already said, it's fish oil. Essentially, it's an omega-3 product delivering EPA and DHA. But what form is it on? Is it the triglyceride form, methyl esters? What's the concentration level, right? It's 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 a difficult story. Maybe we made it too difficult for some consumers to understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just thinking about the conversions and all that, it is a difficult story to tell. Other than the consumer education, what are some of the biggest challenges right now for the fish oil and omega-3 industry? Obviously, right now you have the supply constraint, uh, followed by a price challenge. And it's not it's not wanted, right? We would more like to see kind of a more stable supply, uh, more sustainable pricing and supply to have more visibility in this industry, in the markets. So having that form of stability and balance between supply and demand is obviously a big challenge at the moment. And finding a sustainable price level to avoid too much, I'd say, demand destruction over time is is, 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 is very important. So that's kind of the challenge is right now is the for the whole industry, availability of, of oil. Hopefully, you know, these Nino situations are are followed by, you know, good years historically. So so hopefully we'd see kind of, uh, especially Peru come back uh, with, uh, with healthy biomass and healthy oil yields, uh, able to kind of catch up. At least we've lost at least, you know, at least a year. We can't catch up in full, but at least come back to a level where it's it, it able to meet the demand because demand has been growing. It's been a healthy increase in demand and, and more and more kind of uh, consumers take omega-3 supplements. They also see the rationale and logic behind higher concentrates, which is something we kind of work on. So that's kind of the, I'd say, the current, the biggest challenge at the moment in terms of opportunities and you know where to move in the white spaces, of course, raw material utilization 
that's that's one big opportunity that this situation creates. Essentially, how to capture and utilize as much EPA and DHA as possible, right? Because the crude fish oil contains only so much EPA and DHA, up to 30%, which is naturally occurring in, in the fish oil. Now, when you concentrate, how do you secure that you utilize as much as possible of that? You know, ideally, everything is taken further on into finished products. How do you allow your technologies and your processes to be flexible in terms of raw materials? The situation forces these things upon us, right? I think, you know, innovation and, and creativity is also driven by challenges. So when you face problems, how do you kind of work work to solve them? If there's a situation where you have kind of everything is smooth and the supply has been smooth and we've all, I guess, been in many ways spoiled by good quality and, and massive mm. supply from key regions, right? Now we see that that's not the case necessarily for, for these past seasons and hopefully it changes, but it gives us incentives to work on the raw materials to secure we can utilize more potentially regions, different sources. It gives discipline in the value chain because, you know, the whole industry has been, you know, in some some ways driven by short time horizons. Everything from big brands, uh, retailers to kind of CDMOs, ingredient producers, raw material producers. What we've done is kind of being very tight on how do you secure like a back-to-back situation. You don't source openly in these high-priced times. You need to secure what you buy, you can sell. That's important, right? So this also gives us uh, forces discipline in the value chain in terms of visibility, planning, commitments, which I think is is important. Then, of course, one big opportunity is is uh, we talked about algae. We talked about fish oil and how we as a company in, in GCW Omega don't see these as competing sources, but then naturally would think, why don't you blend, right? You have one seasonal source that fluctuate with the nature. It's uh, temperature, it's wind, it's um, seasonal, it's uh, regulated fish uh, fisheries. Then you have a source which is controlled, industrially produced, ocean-derived, but still industrially produced, stable supply of an ingredient or a raw material. Why wouldn't you just mix it? Then you'd have at least reduce some of the fluctuations and and, and, and exposure on, on uncertainty of supply. That is also a big opportunity that we see. The thought has been, you know, evolving for some time. And personally, it's kind of pure logic to me. You know, why won't you do it? Because it makes sense. But of course, you need to have the the market with you. You need to have the consumers to understand, as we talked about, you know, the educational part of it. And why and why it makes sense and maybe try to demystify it a bit because i think we've been maybe natural maybe not natural but it's been algae has been kind of put on the a niche category for a while now and it's yeah it's it's it has been a high price product it's it's expensive raw materials but this is improving supply chain is improving uh, costing is improving and uh, now you have algae algae concentrates comparably priced to fish oil concentrates. So so then you can start to really think these ideas about mixing these two sources. Because the end product, if you if you have you know two, let's say bottles of a fish oil concentrate and an algae concentrate, you can't tell the difference. So you have the means and the resources. Are you just saying that you just need consumers to get on board before you go through with this? 
Uh, we worked on it from an R&D perspective. And who, who knows, currently we don't have it as an offering. But I think it's uh, a very promising next step in terms of consumer offerings to have kind of uh, more combined products. But, but of course, it's important to, it's about push and pull, right? So do you push it into the market or do you have consumers to pull it? Um, and that's, I think, where there's a job to do to, to understand and educate consumers. And you know, what comes first, chicken and egg? So it's kind of... Um, but I, we see that there's movement in, in this kind of topic, and it has become a, more and more of a topic that is discussed in, you know, industry events, conferences, uh, amongst peers. So it's a very interesting field to continue working on, yeah. It is fascinating. And before I let you go, uh, what's next? Any new products or research or updates that you're working on? A lot of things going on. Um, we uh, we have maybe the most uh, interesting part. We have a new factory coming online in, in, in this year. First half of this year, we're building a new factory, adding uh, more capacity on high-end uh, omega-3 concentrates. And I think this has been a decision that was made, you know, under the very special circumstances. It's kind of uh, counter-cyclical investment, but we... We've made it. Uh, it's a big, big step for us. It's a big investment, but it shows us as the company that we're here for the long run. We invest in Omega-3 space. We invest in the market when we do it all in Christiansen, keeping it kind of uh, everything in one place, which allows us to continue doing kind of the, I'd say, the impossible of having industrialized scale production of high-end products at the same time being kind of at the forefront in terms of quality and stability and consistency in products, but also allowing us to be flexible, uh, work with new products, uh, new raw materials and new innovations. So that's the maybe the main thing I'd like to pull out is kind of our new a new factory coming online, which is a, a sign that we, we believe in this this category and we, that we're here for for the long run, as said. So uh, and it's not next thing but what we see becoming more and more important is of course the sustainability agenda how we work with our sustainability efforts and activities and how we not at least communicate this to the market because we work with natural raw materials i mean wild caught fish is a, a natural a resource that we need to manage and we have a moral ethical and, and practical responsibility to manage that raw material in the best possible way that we can. And that's very high on our agenda from our owners, Edusiribri and Kerr Capital. It's very important for us to not only talk about it, but do it in, in reality uh, and how we manage the side streams, our products, the quality that we, um, that we produce, the quality in our sourcing and how, how we handle energy consumption, waste management processes. But these are things we'll, we will continue on to communicate more to the market because we already do a lot of this and we will continue to kind of improve on these on these very important topics that we believe is a license to operate. And I think that's kind of a common understanding through in industry going forward. And I have to imagine this new factory that helps you continue with your sustainability initiatives. Absolutely. That, you know, across all aspects of how it's kind of been integrated, integrated into the existing infrastructure. We have uh, an existing site here in Kristiansund in Norway uh, with the two factories, with the third one now coming online. Uh, how we integrate uh, usage of utilities, how these factories work together, how we utilize shared knowledge and uh, not least energy consumption. 
how we set it up to to be as efficient as possible in terms of uh, energy usage and also how we control it how we make control systems automated and optimized it's uh, and to increase of course outputs the yields efficiencies with the newest technology that's that's available in in, in concentration Striking a balance between limited supply and selective sourcing, GC Reaver Vivo Mega's Simon Risa, thank you so much for talking us through the current state of the fish oil market here on the NutriCast. Thank you so much, Danielle, for having me. If you like what you just heard, you can subscribe to the NutriCast wherever you get your podcast. You can also head to NutraIngredients-USA.com for even more Nutri-related content. Thank you for listening. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutriCast next week.